welcome to the Pirate's Eye Podcast, produced by the Seton Hall Alumni Engagement and Philanthropy Department. I'm your host, Bianca Velez, fellow pirate of the class of 2010, and each month I'll be sitting down with an alumnus to chat about their career, their life journey, and the role that Seton Hall played in getting them worth. But in this month's episode, fellow pirates Chris Pazes of the class of 2013 and class of 2015, alongside John Fanta, class of 2017, joined the show as guest host. And if you don't know them already, Chris is the creator and host of Courtside Pirates, a podcast dedicated to the Seton Hall men's and women's basketball seasons. And John is a Fox Sports commentator and the voice of the Big East Conference. In this episode, Chris and John sit down with fellow alumnus and current associate head coach of the Seton Hall men's basketball team, Grant Billmeyer. Coach Billmeyer graduated in 2007, and during his time as a Pirate, he himself was a popular player on our men's basketball team. Take a listen as Coach Billmeyer shares with Chris and John his experiences as a student athlete, his role as a Seton Hall coach, and insights into the upcoming season. Welcome inside to the Pirate's Eye Alumni Podcast, where we are talking with a Seton Hall alum who has done terrific things, both on the hardwood and beyond it, all for Seton Hall University. I'm John Fanta, your co-host, class of 2017, joined by Chris Pazes, class of 2013. And today, we are pleased to be joined by Seton Hall basketball associate head coach newly promoted associate head coach but you've known him for a long time class of 2007 he could bang down low when he was playing and now he's teaching it to the guys as an associate head coach with the pirates it is grant billmeyer who is joining us here from the seton hall basketball offices as we talk to him grant how's it going going pretty good john a little uh little little raining out we're getting a little bit of the hurricane coming up our way but uh, today's the third day of classes and the first two days were really good. We had two really good days of high intensive workouts. Guys came back with great energy and re- really like the focus they came in and on the first two days. Grant, if there's anybody who knows what the identity of Seton Hall University is, uh, both as a student and as an alum, it's you because it's been home for you. Why is Seton Hall home for Grant Belmont? I, I spend more of my life here than I spent in anywhere else. You know, I was 17 years old when, when I committed to Seton Hall. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I played here four years. And even when I was overseas and I was coaching, I was still either staying up and overseas watching every game or if, 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 checking the score the next day when I woke up. So ever since I committed to here, I, I followed every single game, you know, no matter how far away, the, the time distance. Um, and this this will be my 15th year, John. So, my my 36 years alive, 15 of them will have be, been spent in Seton Hall. So, it, it, it truly is home. And this is uh, you know this is even my kids they know this as like their second home, even though they're so young because they spent a lot of time here. And you, and you know, Coach, you you talk about what took you here and it is your home. But what got you here in the first place? And more so, when you talk to recruits now, what do you kind of sell them on about Seton Hall? You know, I, I think a lot of programs try to sell family um, in their program, but I think the biggest thing is Seton Hall 
within family of the university. Um, just, just the people on campus, how, how they made me feel, how they knew who I was. The, the alumni base that, oh, it, it's like a big family that doesn't matter. Guys could have graduated here from the 70s. You know, I still have relationships with those guys. Um, it, it, it's just the closeness of, you know, when you leave this university, you, you, you will forever feel a part of this family and you will have relationships with guys. And you can pick up the phone any day and you don't even have to, you know, I have never met certain people, but when you tell them who you are and you played at Seton Hall, they, they, they want to help you because there's that bond between you and guys that played here in the past and the guys that will play here in, in the future. And there's a connection and there, there's always a willingness to help one, one pirate with another former pirate. And just the family atmosphere of the, of the campus and, and the alumni base just, just drew me to it. And being able to play in the Big East and have my family attend every game, that was uh, that was a really special opportunity for me. And I couldn't pass that out. Grant, when you think about Seton Hall, I think that as all of us alums who are talking here, the, the thing that comes to my mind when talking about the university is the people. It's the people who make it a great place, people who are willing to help. And, and now you're helping student athletes and, and other people around the campus. There might not be a person, um, and, and the praise is not handed out uh, lightly, there might not be a person who's helped more people across the campus uh, than a, a lady who actually uh, is retiring. And, and that lady is Robin Cunningham, the great Robin Cunningham, a former student athlete who has done terrific things from an academic side. And, and Robin just, just recently was announced that she is retiring. What can you say about what she's meant uh, to Seton Hall University? Robin has kind of been the, the glue to everything, the glue to all the former players, former coaches. And just so you know, John, we're, we're not letting Robin officially retire from men's basketball. Robin will still be working with our team this year. So that, uh, you know, she, she, she's retiring from her job from the university. She will never retire from her job with the men's basketball. So, um, but Robin meant everything to me. When, when, when my parents met Robin, and me in the conference room right down the hall from my office right now on my, on my visit. My parents told me, you're going to Seton Hall. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. Um, because, because of what she stood for academically. And that got passed down to the people after her, and, and that got passed down to Amanda. So, she, and, and Amanda's work ethic is, is unbelievable. And she learned from someone who, who, who learned from Robin. And we're very fortunate to have one of the best academic advisors not the best academic advisor and that hard work, but willingness to push kids to their greatness in the classroom. That all started with her. You know, you touched on Robin Cunningham and what the athletic department focused on with academics. And I think it's so important because so often it's forgotten that they are student athletes first and foremost, and balancing that schedule is a very difficult challenge. And for you being in that unique experience where you were a student athlete, and now you are the associate head coach of the team, what did you find was one of the most challenging things for you during your experience trying to juggle your schedule? And how have you tried to mentor your players now to make those necessary adjustments and commitments? I, I think the biggest thing is like when, when, you, when you come from high school, you do everything last minute. You do everything the night before. And I thought as I got on in, in college, like towards my junior year, I wanted to make everything much more simplified. And if I had a paper due the next day or homework due the following day, I wanted to always try to get ahead. I wanted to always try and do it, 
you know, whenever I had a break that way, you know, when practice was done, you, you for the most part, you, you were done for the day. And that, that's kind of what I try to tell our guys to don't, don't procrastinate. If, if you have something in front of you, get, get it done while you have time in between class or in between morning workouts and practice, whatever the case may be, just because you don't want to procrastinate and keep pushing things on. And, and then you're up late at night doing the, what you could have been doing at 12 o'clock in the afternoon when you have free time till, you know, you got to come get tape for practice at two o'clock. So just about t taking care of your stuff ahead of time and, and, and not dragging things out. And then you're up late and, and now, you know, you're not going to have the same energy you would if you went to bed at 10 o'clock, then, you know, if you're up to midnight working on the same paper, you're going to be have already gotten taken care of. Let's turn to the hardwood. Let's talk some basketball storylines and, and the biggest of, this summer in Pirate Land is earlier this summer, Sandro Mamu Kelashvili, the reigning Big East co-player of the year. He became just the second Pirate to get selected in the NBA draft in the last two decades. Grant, what is it that has made Sandro so special? And uh, as he showed in summer league, shining, uh, averaging around a double-double, multiple double-doubles, he, he showed a, a, a lot that, that can translate professionally. Yeah, I, think, I think the biggest thing was Sandro showed that, you know, Coach Willard's the best in America when it comes to player development. San, Sandro was the 199th best pl player, according to the rivals coming out of high school. He, 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 he didn't start for his high school team. Now, obviously, it was a loaded high school team with R.J. Barrett and Andrew Nemhard and Marcus Carr and a bunch of guys, but still, it's a guy who didn't start in high school and was barely made the top 200 in the rankings. And he went from two points a game as a freshman to the Big East MVP. And I think it's also a testament to him for sticking it out. You know, I, I think a lot of kids, if, if they don't have instant success, they need that gratification and they're, they're going to think they got to go somewhere else to, to achieve it. But Sandro believed in us, his family believed in us. And he got better every single year, um, and 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 he 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 was all about what we were preaching, and that that was player development and get, getting him better. And, and he understood that, and he understood it was going to be a four-year journey, and, and his time would come. And he, not not many people are willing to play behind someone like Angel Delgado as a freshman, but he was, and that ultimately was the best thing for him because Angel made him tougher and made Angel made him compete at a certain level that he wasn't used to competing at on an everyday basis. That being the Big East rebounding king. That is. That is. I missed Delgado. the big fella, man. <laughs> and, and, and you, Grant, you alluded to it a little bit here with, with some of the guys that you've coached. Um, you know, Looking at Sandro, looking at Angel, and just everyone over the course of the last five, six years, there's been some incredible players, and there's great players on the team right now. But if – you were to have to pick one player specifically that you were as a coach would have to play against today and really enjoy that competition. Who would it be? Play against play against well, former I, player. I, I, or I'd probably player. like to play against angel because he, he's a ferocious competitor. And the one thing I always loved about him, he always had a smile on his face. Um, and I, and I just think that's where that you have that passion and that hunger to get every single rebound in the gym the entire game. But yet you find a way to crack a smile and tell a joke like while it's going on, but still never dropping your intensity. And it, it, he, he, he's a great role model for, for so many guys that, 
you know, come in thinking they play hard and, and you watch Angel and, and hit what people think was hard. Like Sanders thought he played hard coming in and then he saw Angel was like, wow, I don't, I don't play hard. I gotta, I gotta play as hard as him. And then he, he also did it having fun, like every practice, every game, every workout, like he, he had a good time. He, he enjoyed it. One of Coach Willard's things is coming to the gym should be the best part of your day. And he, he was a true testament to that because every day he came in, he came in with a great attitude and had, had you know, that big smile on his face that everyone's accustomed to seeing. The, the first thing, and it's it might be strange at first, but the first thing I think of when I think of Angel Delgado is Angel Delgado's smile. Yeah. Uh, Angel Delgado with the kids after the games because he always was with was with little kids who would come up to him and, and he'd, he'd be right there for them. But then Angel Delgado at the free throw line in the 2016 Big East Championship and Villanova comes down, they miss the three, and it's pandemonium inside Madison Square Garden for the first Pirates Big East title since 93. <laughs> who was the first person you hugged, Grant, when you guys won a Big East Championship now five years ago? Jeez. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, John. I think if you're on that court today, I, I, I was hugging you. Um, <laughs> just because I never experienced winning a championship at Seton Hall. And to see where the program was when coach took it over in 2010. And six years later, we're beating a team that would go on to win a national championship in three weeks. And in a, in a Madison Square Garden where there wasn't a single seat there, that was... That, that was probably one of the all-time highs in my basketball profession, both playing and coaching. Um, so, so, so that was in a, just an incredible moment, but pr probably a little bit of everyone. I wound up getting my parents on the court, my uh, my current wife, who was um, my girlfriend at the time. So it, it was it was special to share that moment with them, just because you know they they, they had also seen where the program was and to see. Where we, where we took it six years later was an incredible feeling. How does that happen, Grant? How does the building of a championship program happen? Uh, I, I think it's all about the kids you bring into your program. They, 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 gotta, they gotta have the same aspirations that you have. And it can't just be talk. And I think Coach is very honest with recruits. And I think he breaks everything down. And you know, you, you're, you're gonna work extremely hard when you come to Seton Hall. And our goals are to win championships. And the, the, those kids, they, they, they bought in. They were all in every single day. And, you know, their freshman year didn't go the way they wanted it to, but it, it never phased them and it made them hungry. And putting Seton Hall back on the map was something they thought about every single day and something they'll always carry with them. And even recruits now, like, Five years later, they, they, they everyone still remembers that game against Villanova, and that those guys really changed the perception of the program. Yeah, yeah, Coach. I, you know, I was at Seton Hall between my undergrad and graduate program for six years. Never saw the team make any run to any type of NCAA tournament. Really, it, it just wasn't that that time period. And the year after I left in 2015, 2016 is when they finally, uh, and you as well got to that pinnacle of being back as a program completely. And I think it goes back to what you said about what coach Willard, when he came in. And I think the biggest thing when I look at is 
he changed the culture. And I think it also goes down to you and the rest of the coaching staff as well, because you guys got these players to believe it's one thing to get the talent. It's another thing to get these players to buy in. And you mentioned it with what Sandro did having to learn and take a step back behind Delgado and buying in. What have you yourself learned from coach Willard in your time with him? Stay in the course. You know, I think, I think it's the biggest thing is, you know, if I'm ever fortunate to get a job myself or, you know, if I could ever give a, a first year head coach, staying true to yourself and staying true to your culture and tr trying to form an identity, you know, I, and I think, I, I think we have an identity. I, I think you can walk in a Seton Hall gym and co coach, you know, could be with the USA basketball national team. And, and you and someone that doesn't ever know basketball will be able to see our identity and say that this is what Seton Hall stands for and, and having certain standards on how they play and how, how we act off the court as much as we do off on it. So I, I think he set a certain standards. I think he, he, he put an identity to this program that's, you know, that sits well with this university and having tough and, and, and gritty kids that are willing you know, to work extremely hard and, um, it's, it's been really fun to be a part of, Chris. And you know, Grant, on top of that, one of the things that I think has really been drastically changing in the last 10 years is the facilities on campus, especially within the athletic program. I, you saw it firsthand what it was like as an athlete, now as a coach, the transition of what's been going on. And first under Pat Lyons and now Brian Felt. Explain to alumni what it means to have these facilities be updated and what it means to the program, because as everyone knows, this coming year, historic Walsh gym is going to have a completely new facelift. Very exciting for both the men's and the women's program. But what does it mean to have these facilities be up to par with the rest of the conference? I, I think Pat and Brian felt both want to win championships. And I, and I think that shows by the facilities. And I think it shows they're, they're not interested in just competing. They, they, they don't just want to be competitive. They, 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 they want to win championships and they're, they're going to give everything they have to the, each student athlete that comes in this place. And they're constantly working around the clock to try and make this place better and try, try to expand and, 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 and never settling, ne, ne, never settling for anything less than the, the best in every kind of facility. Looking ahead, looking ahead to this 2021 season. Uh, it's unique because of the way that COVID-19 impacted last year. It, it allowed players to come back for an additional season. And, and I think that one of the guys, Grant, that I, I wanted to highlight with you is Miles Kale, mm -hmm. uh, who uses his additional year of eligibility. He'll be back at the hall here for another season. And he's been that defensive guy for you. He does little things for you. He's also someone that if, if the people listening to this don't know the person that Miles Kale is, he has his own foundation. Can you tell us a little bit more about who Miles Kale is and what he means to your team? I think the biggest thing with Miles Kale is he's an everyday guy. Like what you see with him on the defensive end, that, that's him every single day in practice. That's him every single day in the weight room. That's him every single day on the court. And I think if you guys look at him, he, he's really transformed his body. He, he's his body is the best it's been in his time at Seton Hall. And he's just a wonderful person that has an unbelievable parents and Shabina and George and, and, and to Miles 
this this isn't just a basketball decision. Like Seton Hall is his home, and you know Miles Kale actually committed here in 2016. Before, like he actually committed here. During, it was it was the day of our semifinal game against Xavier. So, so Miles Kale's been here for a long run. You know that, that was five years ago. He committed over five years ago. He committed to us, and um, and I think it says a lot about him. He 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 believed in us before, you know, we, we had the gratification and, and we, we started winning championships. And, and, and he saw somebody in this staff in this university where he wanted to be a part of. So to him, like, you know, a lot of kids think the grass is greener and I can go somewhere else with this fifth year. The, the, Seton Hall is home and always will be his home. And, and he understood that. And it's something he, he always wants to be a part of. I think what Miles Kale did last year, both as a leader on and off the court, speaks volumes to his development. I think that, again, attributes to someone who bought into the system. And someone who else I think has really bought into the system is approaching his senior year is Jared Roden. He has been just someone I've loved watching since the beginning of his freshman year. I think he's got that pit bull mentality where he really wants to get in, in the grind of the game. What are you seeing from him? Because I think Pirate fans are very excited for his senior year coming up and have high expectations for him. Is he in that mindset where he knows he has to be that next guy that can step up and take over for this team? Yeah, I think I think the one thing about Jared is he he he's a hundred miles per hour every day. Like he he never takes a playoff. Like he he doesn't have it. Like, but I think he's starting to understand. Like, all right, if I slow down on offense and slow down in certain areas, it's going to make me a better player. But I think the best compliment you can give a player is telling them, you know, slow down every once in a while on offense. You know, read the defense and. I think that's the next part of his game. He's really taking for us, and we're we're really excited for you guys to see what we've seen every day, and just the confidence he has, and you know his, his body's the best it's been. He's he's been shooting the heck out of the basketball, so we're 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 excited for you guys to finally get back in the arena and see see what we've been seeing the last five months with him. Grant, you also bring in some transfers who are now calling Seton Hall home. Um, You've got Kadari Richmond from Syracuse, Alexis Yetna from USF, South Florida, and then Jameer Harris, a grad transfer from American. What do these three bring to the table? I, I, th I think they all bring something different to the team, and and all three three bring things we we definitely needed to re to bring in. You know, Kadari is a New York City guard, a, a big guard that can facilitate can get in the lane, can can create his own shot and create a shot for other guys. And that that's something we were kind of lacking last year and something we really needed to add in, in the spring. J Jameer is a guy that came in and has always been a shooter, dating back to, you know, when he was in middle school. He, he, he's been known as a great shooter. And he lived up to last year at American shooting above 40%. And then Alexis just gives us like an old school kind of big guy a little bit that can also step out. And play on the perimeter, but you you, you can throw it to him, and he's um, he, he's a warrior down low, and, and and he competes, and he he goes after the basketball, and and that's something we you know we really need to get back to, really be an elite rebounding team, and he he certainly fits that piece. Grant, here's what we officially officially know, um, because it is officially out there on your website. My goodness, uh, a road game at Michigan. We know what that means to Pirate fans. Uh, you're taking on Ohio State 
down in Fort Myers. That, that'll be the uh, Fort Myers Classic down in Florida over Thanksgiving week. You've got Rutgers, of course. You've got a home game against Texas, who could very well be a, a, a top five, top ten type of team. Wow. What, what a schedule this is turning out to be. What are your thoughts on it? Well, at, for, at first, when you mentioned uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Rutgers, I thought we joined like the the Big Ten East or something when you, when you mentioned those those three unbelievable programs. But, um, you know, th- th- those are three NCAA tournament teams. And then you throw Mich- uh, excuse me, Texas. And obviously, Coach Beard has let it be known. He, he's he's trying to get back to a national championship game and not in the future, but now. So those are four games against teams that are not only just capable of making the NCAA tournament, but also making a run in the NCAA tournament. So we will, uh, we will know where we stand, what we need to get better on um, and and what areas, you know, we need to improve on very early in the season. So I, I think coach always schedules, really hard and, and people always man what the heck is this guy doing but it also gives this guy's confidence that I believe in you and I believe you can play against anybody anywhere in college basketball when you look at this schedule coming up coach knowing the biggie schedule will be what it always is um but looking at this non-conference schedule even even further is there a specific game that you feel can be a really good first test I think obviously Michigan comes to mind and Michigan has a lot of background and history with Seton Hall with 1989 but where do you see this program right now versus what last year was because you look at the team going into last year there was a lot of high expectations as well and there was a tough non-conference schedule do you find some parallels with the way it was last year with this coming season I think I think last year is just you can't really compare it to anything. You know, our, our first game against Winthrop was canceled. I only got added onto the schedule, I think th- three days before the game was played. So l- last year was just a year unlike any other we've ever seen. And there's really no way to prepare for because no one had ever gone through a season during a pandemic. Um, but I, I, I do think the expectations um, are, are certainly there from our fans and I think they're always going to be there for our fans. But our biggest thing is we, we, we got to get better every single game. You know, when, when you bring in as many new players as as we brought in, the biggest thing is c- consistently getting better. And if you continue with that approach by the time you get a Big East play, you're going to be a much better team. And the, the, the league is loaded this year. It's as good as a league as I've seen in a long time. So let's learn. Let's take this non-conference schedule and, and, and really get better every game. And, that that will help us, you know, when when we face the gauntlet of the Big East. And I think one thing that specifically you just said about last year that was so unique, it was everything got thrown out from what you're typically used to. So in a typical year, I think a lot of alumni would want to know, what is a typical day in the life for you now, be it either during the season or not in the season? What's that daily schedule and grind like for you? Because you are around the team so much. What is that like for you? It's... uh. <laughs> Like you said, it, it, it's a grind. You know, I try, I try to wake up, see my kids a little bit in the morning, try to get to the office by 7, 7.30 every day. Um, g- generally, we'll either have morning workouts or morning weights, um, whatever, whatever we have. If it's weights in the morning, then it'll be individuals in the afternoon. Try to, try to be around the guys. Like, you know, I'll, I'll always spend time with the guys and tr- just try to, try to talk to them. If it's ways, just try try to talk to them. I'll always know where their head's at. I'll, I'll always see what's going on in their life. Um, 
and you know, it's, it's constant recruiting. The, the, the recruiting never stops. And you, you, you watch some film, you know, just diff, different things, different ideas. You know, we're, we're constantly as a staff look, looking to evolve and looking to continue to get better. And, you know, usually in the afternoon, you, you have, you know, three sets of workouts, four, 45 minutes each. So that's taken up about two hours and 15 minutes of your day alone. Um, that I try to try to make it home, see, see my kids, see my daughter before she goes to bed. And um, I, I go to bed early because the kids, the kids are up early and, and the next day is coming right back at you. And that's going to be a long day. So um, I, I used to be a guy that stayed up to 11, 1130 every night. But not, not now, I don't even know if I can make it up for the Monday night football games the way I'm going. <laughs> what time are you up in the morning? I usually get up at six, John. My, 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 my daughter wakes up and she starts singing the ABCs and we, and we hear her on the monitor. And, um, and, and since my wife's got the kids all day, I get up and I, and I spend some time with my daughter. And that's, uh, that, that, that's a lot of fun when it's just me and her and my wife and my, my son are hopefully sleeping and we, and we, and we get some one-on-one time because when her brother wakes up, she, she could care less about daddy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. Um, we're going to have some fun here as we begin to, to close things down here on Pirate's Eye. So, Grant, let's look back. Uh, when you were a student, what, what was your favorite place to go either on or around campus? I, I, I think that, that might be the easiest question I've been asked all day, John. The, the Villa's Trotteria, but I'm going to take you back because you're new, new school and I'm old school. You're right. The, the Villas Trotteria in South Orange wasn't open, so I went. So I went to the one in Maplewood, and this was before GPS. So I, I had to navigate it there, and and it was the best pizza around, and still is. But l- luckily, luckily for them, in terms of business, they moved down the street, and they get my money. And unfortunately for my diet, they're right down the street, and <laughs> and, and I can't resist the buffalo chicken slices. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, Grant, I, that, the Maplewood one is the hidden gem. That's when you want to get out of the South Orange area and you want to go only 10 minutes away and you can get there really quick. It's, it's Yeah, that, 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 that's old school. You, you, guys, you guys don't know about it. You, got, you guys we're, were very fortunate where you guys could walk down to the Trotteria down the street. Um, <laughs> but it's it funny. There's a kid, DJ Salvante, uh, grandson of Rosemary Dean, and he grew up right around the corner. And I remember one day, somehow we were talking about it, and he's like, ah, there's this pizza place in Maplewood. It's the best. It's the best pizza you've ever had. So I called him out. I said, "All right, we're going there one day." He took me, and and it was as good as he made it to be, if not better. So that was uh, I, I I was hooked ever since. <laughs> uh, Coach, looking also at the team, and this is a fun question. Uh, Father John, his role as the team chaplain, he is a campus legend in his own right. What does he mean to the program, and what does he mean to you? He, he, he's he, he's so invested in everything from from each student he greets he's so authentic and I, th- I think he studies the opponent as much as any as much as any team chaplain like he, he'll be asking me for stats at halftime sometimes he'll even rip it out of my hand he, he he's not afraid to give me his opinion when i when i when i see him before or after the game and he, he, he kind of sneaks in certain things in there in his prayer that is kind of is part of the prayer, but also part of the pregame speech. I and mean, if, if we had a lot of turnovers, he'll emphasize, may we please take care of the basketball. And, and, and he's had enough of us 
turning the ball over the previous game. And um, <laughs> so he, he, everything he does is very um, put into trying to make the program better. And we're, we're fortunate that he's been with us for a long time. And I think he joined my, my senior year of college. And it's been great to have someone to, to talk to whenever I need, you know, any, any advice in life. And he's just, uh, he, he's, a, he's a great figure on campus for so many different people. Yeah, Father John is a very special person and he's just a staple on the program. So it's good to hear that he's been a consistent in your life from pretty much most of your time at Seen Hall as well. Uh, one thing that I think is just so true to Seen Hall when it comes to traditions is stepping on the seal. Uh, students avoid it at all costs. Faculty sometimes even avoid it even if they're not students. Do you buy into it? Do you believe in this mythical don't step on a steel or these kids won't graduate? You know, you know what? I, I think I probably stepped on it before I knew like you're not supposed to and somehow I graduated um <laughs> I, I don't really believe in that that kind of stuff uh, I'm not a big uh big believer in that kind of stuff but in honor of the tradition I I, I try to stay away from it it's, it, it's kind of like just something you're taught not to do and you shouldn't do but you know unfortunately I think I walked on it once or twice and Someone ran me down. I was like, "Oh no, you're not going to graduate this year." I was like, "All right, well, I'll, I'll try and prove you wrong." So, um, I, I had done it before. I knew I was supposed to, but I, I try to stay out, stay away from it out, out of respect for the tradition. Uh, Grant, well, you, you well, you graduated and you're back at the program in, as a, in a faculty role as a coach. So I think you did okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Grant, as as we're inching closer and closer towards the 2021-22 season. We've got uh, a date set for the annual Beefsteak Tip-Off Dinner. It's going to be October the 19th inside that uh, newly renovated Walsh Gymnasium. And there's always different things leading up to the season. What's your message to the fan base? It's, it, it's been way too long. It's, you know, I, I enjoy the fans that get to the game an hour early and I can just give a wave to I really miss the pregame talks, um, you know, going to a room, talking to our fans, telling them how much we appreciate as a staff, seeing a, a packed arena, see, see the joy in our faces when our kids come out and their eyes light up and they, they, they see the arena packed. That's what I miss the most, man. It's the Prudential Center just felt completely different without them, without their energy, without their excitement. And they, they, they live and die with us and, and they've always been there for us. And, we, we, we can't wait to have them back. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing so many faces I haven't seen in, you know, a, a year and a half because of the pandemic. So that uh, October 19th is, is a day I'll definitely be looking forward to, John. Registration is available for that event. You can go to shu.edu. You can go to shupirates.com for all the information on the Beefsteak Tip-Off Dinner. That's set for October 19th. It's available both in person and virtually uh, for those who prefer to join us from home and uh, ticket information as well. You heard some of the home games. I mean, in the same weekend, Texas and Rutgers inside the Prudential Center. Grant, I don't know about you. I cannot wait to hear the rock rocking again. It, it, it wasn't the same last year. I, I wasn't okay with looking at, at cardboard cutouts. I mean, it was fun while it was, but it's meant to, we're meant to see people in the stands again and, and hear that pep band back. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you, John. There, there, there would be times like I, 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 I would block a shot 
and, and he'd take out a cardboard cutout and I like turn behind me, <laughs> tell the fans, get up and make some noise and l- 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 let's get this place rocking. I'd turn around and I'd see like a cardboard cutout of my two-year-old daughter at the time sitting there. But, oh, I, I, guess, I guess that's why we, we, we don't hear anyone. But uh, I, I'm excited to hear everyone back screaming and um, just, just being the passionate fan base that they've always been. Grant Fillmeyer, the associate head coach for Seton Hall men's basketball. Grant, we really appreciate the time and, and thanks for giving us a view of your perspective uh, as an alum and now on the coaching staff at the Hall. Thanks, John, Chris, and Daniela. Daniela, I really appreciate you setting this up for us and great to connect with you know th- three alums and p- people that, that value this university as much as I do. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys and all of our all of our fans very soon. I think I think John Rostein said the Cats had I think 89 days to, to the opening day of college basketball. So thanks for uh, John Ron, John Rostein for the constant updates and look look forward to seeing everybody soon. Thank you to Daniela Glor for all her assistance with the Pirates Eye Alumni Podcast and for Grant Billmeyer and my co-host Chris Pazes. This is John Fanta saying, "Go Pirates!" The season is just around the corner. Thanks for listening. Go Pirates. Have a good one, everyone. Coach Bill Meyer is one of more than 100,000 alumni who demonstrate what great minds can do. Remember to stay up to date with all of Seton Hall's alumni engagement opportunities and to view recordings of past virtual events that you may have missed, visit www.shu.edu slash hall hub. Share the news of this podcast with your friends. Be sure to follow us on social media at Seton Hall Alumni. And of course, if you know of a pirate we should have our eye on, do not hesitate to email us at alumni at shu.edu. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Seton Hall Pirate's Eye Podcast.